you found the Digging Oak Island podcast, a podcaster's journey to discover the truth behind the Oak Island mystery. I'm Dave McBride. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to our show. If you've been enjoying our little podcast, please help us out by becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash Island to learn more. Okay, a couple things before we begin today's podcast. First, I just want to say a very big thank you to Daxton for his generous donation to the show this past week. Um, if you want to donate to the show, not interested in getting involved in the Patreon or just want to make a one-time thing, uh, I've been asked about this a lot. I finally gave in and did it. Um, I The best thing I can do is tell you the only way we can really do it is through Venmo, and that is through my musician account. That's my normal job, at uh, Dave McBride Music on Venmo. There you go. Um also, I just want to uh, give a shameless plug out here before we get going. I do produce occasionally another podcast called Sit Downs and Sessions, and I think I got one this last couple of weeks you might like. It's a uh, two-part discussion with me and my friend and uh, fellow um, podcast host and a DJ, uh, Chris Poe. I've been Chris and I have been doing this podcast for some time, been working together for a long time, been friends for my entire life, and uh, we sat down at this great little general store in right along the banks of the Delaware River in Pennsylvania in a place called the Lumberville General Store to speak with Bill Burns. Anybody in the UFO community knows who Bill Burns is. Uh, he was, for those of you, he, he's always on or often on Ancient Aliens, and he's also was one of the lead investigators and producers for the old History Channel show UFO Hunters. You'll recognize his voice as soon as you hear him. A fascinating and brilliant guy. Um, the first episode, we talked a little bit sort of about world history and some political kind of history and the history of pandemics. And then we pivot in the second episode to a lot more about UFOs and the paranormal and things like that. So give that a lesson. Uh, listen, sit downs and sessions uh, anywhere you find your podcasts. Okay. We did not have a new episode of The Curse of Oak Island this week, but if you were listening to last week's episode, you probably heard me uh, put out the call for your thoughts on the show. What I wanted to do was sort of one part just a listener questions show, uh, and another part sort of a listeners and, and fans of The Curse of Oak Island, their mid-season report card. And uh, boy, did you guys answer that call. Um, thank you to everyone for writing in. We have a lot to get to. So let's get right into it. We're going to start with uh, our patrons and uh, with a patron that goes by the name of Nicole's husband, Brian. Maybe we'll just call you Brian from now on. Anyway. Hi, Nicole. Hi, Dave. Uh, I wanted to start by thanking you for your thoughtful approach to unpacking the Oak Island mystery. My wife and I have been fans of the show for many years now, and both of us have actually stopped watching the show as we find your podcast far more insightful. For that reason alone, I was happy to join your growing cast of Patreon supporters. Okay, let me stop here. Thank you both for that. Um, you're going to hear this being echoed quite a bit. We've got a lot of Oak Island fans who are losing interest in the show, and I think that's going to kind of be a theme here. Um, not throughout the entire podcast, but you'll see it come back to. Um, but back to what you guys wrote there. Thank you so much. Um, I can't tell you how much it means to have you guys come and join us on the Patreon and everyone else who's done that. Everyone who's done anything to help out, whether it's make a donation, become a patron, or just take the time to leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Um, all that stuff means so much. It's so much support for us, um, and I can't thank you guys enough. It, it really is amazing. Anyway, Brian continues. The show has become quite predictable, and funnily enough, I came across an old set of homemade Oak Island bingo cards that our family used in earlier seasons. We would each fill out a 4x4 grid with things that we thought we would like to see, we would see on the show. Then the winner got their pick of dessert at Dairy Queen. Oh, I miss Dairy Queen. Anyway, phrases like Bobby Dazzler, Laird saying yep, or video clips of Templars riding across a field were all in the cards. More recently, I had a chance to read the Steel and Fader book, Oak Island Mystery Solved, and think that their theory accounts for quite a bit of what we see on the island. The combo of geologic sinkholes and tar-making kilns for marine repairs makes sense to me, but the theory felt a bit stretchy when trying to tie most of the activities into the 1620-21 to 21 time frame. I agree, that the, I agree that the show is likely nearing the end of its run. The formula Prometheus uses... With too much repetition and continual misleading of viewers is wearing thin. You could fool me once with a swagger stick, but it seems to happen far too often. It's unfortunate because I do think there's a compelling story to be told, and with your podcast, you are telling it. 
My guess is that over the remaining episodes of this season, they will not find anything of substance, certainly not a Gerhardt dump truck full of silver. By the end of season nine, the Laginas will be able to put an X on the money pit, decide against the big dig, and move their efforts over to the swamp for next year. I think season 10 will be the last one, with perhaps a Maddie Blake documentary a few years later as a reunion and to show what happened after the TV crews left. Perhaps the Laginas then spend more time on their Beyond Oak Island series to keep things interesting. The format of dedicating a few episodes to different treasure hunts is fun to watch. I wish I could be more optimistic, but with the hundreds of shafts they have sunk in the money pit with no trace of treasure, it's hard to believe that treasure actually exists. Thanks again for the podcast. And it's not just the Laginas, right, Brian? I mean, people have been sinking holes into the money pit for well over 200 years with basically no results or very few, right? That's the reason why I asked you guys this question last week. This question about how you think the show might end. Because even the most optimistic of viewers and even the most believing of believers have to admit the answer to what happened on Oak Island has eluded everyone for centuries, and the chances are it will elude the Laginas as well. So what then? With all this hype year after year about dump truck loads of silver, about being closer than ever, and you know, how does it end if they meet the same fate as everyone else who came before them? That fate being essentially failure. And Brian, I like the way you describe the steel and fader theory here. Um, on Facebook, a follower named Matt asked, quote, any thoughts on Joy A. Steele, Gordon Fader's book, Oak Island Mystery Solved? Well, guys, I think what Brian said here is pretty close to my thoughts. The theory explains a lot, and it takes a totally different look at the mystery and still keeps it mysterious, you know? It's very compelling. I got to tell you, though, I remain a little bit unconvinced, and your reason you gave there is among the reasons why I remain unconvinced. Great stuff, Brian. Tell Nicole it's her turn to write in soon. Anyway, and let's take a quick jump over uh, to the emails here quickly because we got sort of a related question from our friend Bob who writes, Hi, Dave. Greetings from Canada. First of all, I'm a big fan of your podcast and look forward to it every week. It is always interesting and informative. Uh, it adds so much more to the enjoyment of following the mystery. I have a question for you. It is more of a general question. In all the research you have done for the podcast, has there ever been a piece of information or theory you have found so compelling you have wondered why it has never been a topic on an episode of the TV series. Again, thank you for all the work you do on the podcast. Have a great day, Bob. Thank you, Bob, for writing in. And I think you can probably figure out the answer now because of where I put this, right? It's this theory. It's the steel and fader theory. Over the decades, there have been a lot of theories out there, and many of which, honestly, have received at least some mention, some time on the show in one way or another, even if just a short mention, you know, a, a crackpot scene for a couple of minutes or uh, an allusion to a pirate or something along those lines. They've received some sort of uh, at least a mention on the show. But the steel and fader theory has received, as far as I can remember, absolutely no mention whatsoever. And honestly, that is ridiculous. <laughs> I, it, 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 you can only call it that. It is one of the most compelling theories out there. It is also one of the most important contemporary theories that is being worked on as we speak. It's one of the most well-researched. It's one of the most laid out. And the fact is the show, the show has willingly ignored it. And that, in my mind, just doesn't speak well for the show, if I'm honest. Because if you're really interested in the history, you're really interested in what happened here, why not give Gordon Fader and Joy Steele a chance to come on the island and talk about it and maybe see how things relate? I think they need to correct this. I really do. I think they need to bring this theory into the discussion. Unfortunately, Joy Steele isn't around anymore, unfortunately, for them to be able to talk to her. And honestly, her years of work and devotion to Oak Island, and she was devoted to this mystery. I mean, she deserves to be embraced by the show, just like Zena Halpern has been embraced by the show, right? She's that kind of person. She knows everything there is to know about Oak Island. She researched it for decades. She came up with a theory that maybe they don't like because it doesn't fit into their thing or their, their hope or whatever it is. But to simply push this whole theory aside and now she's not even here 
to be part of this discussion, you know, it's disappointing. Anyway, great question, Bob. Um, Luckily, Gordon Fader is out there and he's still active and he's a wonderful guy and he's very generous with his time. And, um, you know, he's a good person they should think about talking to. I know he's going to say things they don't want to hear, but, you know... Well, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll we'll talk about this more at the end. I'll give you more of my thoughts of what the show can do at the end. Okay, let's go now to our friend and our patron. He only writes this JC1166. Don't know if it's a he or not. I have no idea. But anyway, JC says, since you asked what we think of season nine, it's like going to a baseball game only to watch the players get walked to first base. Only foul balls and strikes. No one crosses home plate. Is the Samuel Ball site no longer of interest? Is any work now happening there that does not involve the treasure hunt? I suspect there will be one more season. Ten is a satisfactory number of years to attempt to solve. Where is the money pit? I wish the team would bring in a few experts from the UK and France. Surely they could provide some insight to the many queries. I have to tell you, JC, uh, that is a great observation. All of this talk about the French and English militaries and navies, and we've never seen a... French or English scholar come on the island and talk about some things and answer some questions, right? Um, And hey, throw in the Portuguese explorers too into the mix, right? It seems like the only historians that we ever get are related to the Templars for whatever reason. Uh, Anyway, great observation, JC. Thank you so much for writing in. All right, staying with the patrons here, here is our friend Dan who says, I think this is one of the best seasons, if not the best. I started off super exciting. Uh, that then it kind of fell into the usual Oak Island rhythm. Now with the dropping of cans, it really is exciting and promising. I'm surprised you didn't discuss the drilling down episode that aired off the regular uh, after the regular episode the other week. I think that was one of the best episodes ever. Here and Rick and Marty discuss the evidence in a documentary style rather than a reality show setting was awesome. I often wonder if there are things they know that they don't share with the public. Not deceit, but things they're not ready to make public. Also, a lot of people make comments like, if they don't find something soon, I'm going to quit watching, or more wood, I'm sick of it. <laughs> Me, on the other hand, I don't think I'm in such a hurry for it to be over. You know you watch a show where they bring up gold and from a ship and from a shipwreck, and you say, yep, that's neat. Not very compelling, but the Oak Island story, wow, with every fine clue and dead end, keeps you on the edge of your seat and your, and your mind racing. Yes, I want to know the truth about of Oak Island, but I'm also loving the journey that gets us there. So hopefully a couple of more seasons before the hammer grab is raining down gold bars. Dan, fabulous email. Very well said. Thank you for kind of giving a counterpoint. Um, you know, one of the things I, I realized once I said, hey, let's do a mid-season report card is that, you know, that's going to lead us to complaining a lot. I mean, that's just the nature of what we're doing here. Uh, and Dan, you did a fabulous, fabulous job for speaking to um, those of us who really don't, you know, hey, I, I feel exactly the same way. Maybe I didn't make that clear, but the reason I even brought up this topic, right, was because it does seem like we're getting to the show, to the point of the show where we have to start considering to be a little bit, uh, what's the expression, kind of long in the tooth, right? And I don't want it to end, right? As soon as I wrote it out there, I knew I'd get a lot of complaints, but the thought pattern in the conversation I had with my father that led to this discussion, me saying to you guys last week, hey, how do you think this is going to end, is because I'm really kind of nervous that we might be getting there, you know? Uh, Some listeners might not believe this (laughs) because they focus on the negative things I talk about. And I share a lot of blame in that, too. But this is my, I've said this before, I'll say it again, this is my favorite show on television, and it still is after nine years. Believe me, as someone who came to the Oak Island mystery long before the existence of the show, I had no delusions that the History Channel would be the ones to solve the mystery. And Dan, I agree that that Drilling Down show you mentioned was great. I told you last week we didn't even talk about it because there wasn't a whole lot new there to talk about. It would just kind of be me saying it's great. So uh, just go back and watch it, guys. If you didn't, I think you can still get it on their website. Um, it, I just, like I said, I just didn't bring it up because there wasn't really anything new. Uh, but it, do, but the great thing about it is it does actually serve as a really cool reference point for people wanting to kind of look back on what has been recovered on Oak Island. And what all that evidence might mean. And we talk all the time about how they need to focus in on a timeline. And this show really showed how difficult that really is 
becoming or has become over the years and why they haven't been able to do that up until now where they start to start to be, it seems they're starting to move in that direction. Great to hear from you. Okay, let's go to Ryan who writes, Dave, love the show. Great format and community. Yeah, it is a great community. That's for sure. I appreciate that you can have an honest discourse with the listeners and even disagree with us, but still provide a respectful and open discussion using critical thinking, common sense, and facts. Wish that approach would catch on in the social media world. Anyway, bravo. Thank you, Ryan. I really appreciate that. Anyway, he continues. So let me give a preface first. I've been watching the show religiously since season four. Been listening to you since the beginning. I love the Oak Island story. Love the legend behind it. I so want to believe. I did believe. But I'm tired of wooden ox shoes. I can honestly say I've stopped watching the show. I seriously have. Rather spend time listening to the podcast. Thank you, sir. Uh, so now I only listen to the podcast. I threatened to stop watching in the past like some of your listeners probably have. Just ask my wife. But I'm done. Frankly, I miss the archaeology on the island. I'm so tired of wood and ox shoes and the darn trapdoor, the Halpern map. Seriously, some of these theories are insulting to anyone with minimal critical thinking skills. They opened up a, uh, the season with a bang and it went downhill from there. You could present recaps, old clips, and the narration. Ugh, the narration, he writes. Ugh, the narration. This might sound silly, but I feel insulted that we get led on and misled through the entirety of every episode by the mind-numbingly repetitive narration and the uncanny ability to attempt to connect a nondescript wooden board with a supposed treasure galleon in a swamp. The writer's fault, not Clotworthy's, but I'm kind of done with it. Anyway, to wrap up, I think I've officially come to the conclusion that there's nothing to find, at least not anymore, or at least... At the very least, whatever was buried there can't be retrieved due to logistics, money, geology, and the reckless destruction of the island over 200 years worth of searching. I tried to believe, had reason to, based on finds and data, but the season gave, the season gave me Oak Island burnout. So many seasons, every season, ended with a bust, and I feel this one will too. Don't want to get excited for what will most likely be inconclusive evidence that something happened there a long time ago, blah, blah, blah. I love the show, but I think it's time. Could it be that this is the end? If so, I'm good with that. Ryan. Ryan, uh, despite everything you say there, uh, I am absolutely thrilled you decided to become a patron anyway. Keep listening. Uh, you're not alone. I'm not with you. I don't want the show to end. I would like to see some changes made in the show, which we'll get to at the end. Um, but I'm not ready for it to go. Not by any stretch of the imagination. Are you alone, though, in your thought here? All right, let's take a quick break. Uh, listen to some seagulls while I catch my breath. All right, let's go over to our Facebook page and hear from the wonderfully named Dave who writes, You ask how the show will end. I wish I could believe that it will end with the Laginas finding the Ark of the Covenant, but I'm afraid the truth might be more mundane. As the show goes on with nothing of importance being found, I worry that viewership will drop off to the point where it simply isn't renewed by the network. That would mean a fade into obscurity and be one of those shows we'll think back on and wonder, whatever happened to those guys? The premise of a treasure hunt of treasure hunting can only keep viewers hooked for so long if there's no payoff. Your own wife being a good example. Yes, she is. Hardcore fans will keep faithful, but, but are there enough of us to keep the show viable? I'll keep listening to your podcast, though, because sometimes it's more fun than the actual program. I can't believe how many people wrote that this week, but I can't tell you how much I appreciate that either. Anyway, Dave, I think you're correct when you say, quote, the premise of treasure hunting can only keep viewers hooked for so long. And with that in mind, it certainly is a testament to the enduring quality of not only the cast of this show, but also the mystery itself, right, and the history behind it, that it has sustained for so long. I mean... You, you said the rough part out loud there, didn't you? Because let's face it, the vast majority of television shows end in just that fashion you described. And I think we all hope that is not the fate of our beloved Curse of Oak Island. But if we were putting bets down on how it ends, that would have to be the early favorite, right? For the odds here, no doubt about it. Thank you so much, Dave. Okay, let's go to Patrick, who asks, I, recently, I only recently found this podcast, so this may have been discussed before, no problem, but why can't they just strip mine the money pit area? I think this would be the best way to see what is actually below the surface. The cans are a waste of time and money. It isn't an effective way of finding valuables, uh, whether they be actual treasure or historical artifacts. 
Also, in my opinion, that there is no treasure in the money. Also, it is my opinion, excuse me, that there is no treasure in the money pit. However, someone was digging deep underground hundreds of years ago, and I want to know why. That is what keeps me interested in the show at this point. Patrick, there are a lot of reasons not to strip mine. Um, the most important of which has to do with the basic instability of the ground and also the amount of water found throughout the money pit. But in and it, 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 it has been discussed a lot, but it, not in that way. The Laginas call it a big dig, and it's it's been bandied about for at least the last two years. It's not strip mining, as you call it, but I think the equivalent of what you're looking for because what they would have to do is sort of um, encase the entire area in basically, you know, some sort of foundation around the outside of the area to keep the, the entire island stable as they begin digging through it rather than get caught in these kind of things, you know, get caught in these kind of, uh, you know, problems that can arise from doing something like this. Here's the issue. It is incredibly expensive. <laughs> And by no means, let's 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 admit this. It's by no means guaranteed to work because we don't know how deep down this target is. How deep can you strip mine? Um, you know, so that's kind of it in a nutshell. Why no one has really done it before? I mean, Robert Dunfield in the 1960s kind of tried. He dug a huge hole, uh, only to come up empty and water to make it unstable and all these kind of things. So there are a lot of issues coming into this idea. Um, which is the reason why it hasn't been done before. And the best way to do it, I think, moving forward is this idea that Laginas have been talking about with this big dig. There's something about freezing the ground and all this kind of stuff, too. I mean, it's 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 very involved. It's very involved. Um, not being a mining expert, I'm sure there's somebody out there who can tell me why the actual idea of strip mining doesn't work. I think that's because of the stability issues and the elevation and all that kind of stuff. It's just not it's just not in the cards. Anyway, it's a great, great question. Um, let's stay on Facebook and hear from Chris, who asks, uh, if the dig this year turns up very little of significance, do you get the sense that this season or the next season could be the end of the line for the show? Do you see the Laginas transitioning to an expanded beyond Oak Island future instead? I'm not sure they'll do that. Um, Chris, at the risk of sounding cynical, and I'm this is going to sound much more cynical than I want it to be, I think the show lasts as long as there remains a mystery to explore and viewers, more importantly, to watch that exploration and advertisers to make it profitable. Plain and simple. I do not think that means the team is hiding evidence to keep a show going. That idea is honestly silly to me. But assuming they don't find a treasure, and they never do, the show will end when it no longer makes financial sense to keep producing it. And, you know, for the Prometheus to keep paying for the dig, which we now know is what they're doing, Prometheus being the producers of the show. I mean, The Deadliest Catch, I believe, is going on its 18th season. Right. And we're all watching that because we're compelled by the people doing the work. And the same kind of goes here. You know, Rick Lagina, Rick and Marty and Jack and and uh, Gary and these people. We like these people. We want to see them. We want to see them doing this work. So, you know, it could go on longer. Even without a treasure, it can go on a lot longer in my mind. Um, but that's kind of why I put this idea out to you guys to see what other fans of the show think uh you know can it continue in this direction um i'm not sure it can i think it continue to go on longer but again <laughs> to keep saying this i'll get to that at the end thank you chris and finally on facebook uh for our facebook writers here um uh, this is elise i think is how you pronounce this name who writes hi dave i'm a big fan of your podcast i appreciate it each week and i listen while i work Zena Halpern's map has come up again and again over the last few weeks, and I have to give my mom, Jerry, credit for this idea. If Zena's map is so old, would it not portray the island as two separate islands? I'm not discrediting her map because there's a lot of actual similarities to the island, but I cannot attribute it to being as old as it is. We love the show, and I love your show. I'll pass a lot of your episodes to my mom and tell her you can't miss this. Thank you so much, and keep them coming, Elise. At least those are great questions, and um, it gives me a chance to talk about this again because they keep bringing up this stuff, and it's, it can get a little frustrating. There's a couple of real quick answers to your questions. As far as the age of the map goes, 
I have not held it in my hands. I've not been in the presence of it myself, but I do know people who have, including a forensic geologist named Scott Walter, who's done his fair share of work on popular documentary television shows. He used to have a couple of shows himself. I think it was called America Unearthed. It was on the Travel Channel, I believe, and has been doing this stuff for years. He was actually brought in originally um, to help Zena Halpern with the map. The Knights Templar coming to uh, North America before Columbus is definitely part of Scott Walter's passion and part of his work, right? I think he's written books about it too, called Hooked X or something like that. You'll you'll find this stuff out. Um, He actually came and saw the map and held it in his hands, and he told me plain and simply that the map is not old. It's just not. And this is a guy who would know, all right? And so that's the first issue. There's a lot of other issues involved with the map, too. I'll let you guys kind of figure that out on your own um, because it's all out there. And I, I don't want to be the bearer of this stuff and sound like I, I know everything there is to know. Uh, but I'll say this also to answer your question, at least the reason it wouldn't show two islands is even if this map were old and even if it was made by a Knights Templar who came to. Uh, North America and came to Oak Island. There was never a time (laughs) where the map, where the island would have been two islands. There is absolutely no evidence of that. In fact, all the real evidence that we can look at, all the scientific evidence would point to the actual opposite. The ocean levels were lower back then, not higher. The island would have been bigger And the beach is larger and the water much further back because the ocean levels are lower. While we can look at the island now and say, hey, it wouldn't be so hard to imagine a channel between these two. We wouldn't be able to say that 800 years ago. At that point, it would have been inconceivable to to see a channel between the two of these things because the island would have just been much bigger. I hope that helps. Thank you so much for listening. It's time now to turn to the emails. Uh, And we'll start off with Sam, who says, Hey, Dave, one way the series might end could possibly be due to geotechnical instability in the Money Pit area, causing significant safety concerns. Following your October 2021 interview with Gordon Fader, I purchased their book and found the explanation and evidence really compelling. So if the Money Pit was, in fact, a sinkhole and... Given all of the previous searcher activity and given the massive weight of the equipment there and given up to four of the large cans being driven there and given that there was geotechnical instability a few years ago, I could see the site being abandoned due to safety concerns. I hope I'm wrong. I'd absolutely love to see them find a treasure. Keep it going. Love the podcast. Regards, Sam from Texas. Well, Sam, that is a very conceivable possibility for all of this. And it's kind of scary, really, for those of us who don't want to see the show end, but it absolutely could be the case. There is definitely a chance to run into instability. That brings me back to the strip mining thing before, right? We just don't know what we're into here. And also, you know, as much as Doug Kroll and Charles Barkhouse and other researchers like to think they know everything that searchers did before them, they really don't. They really don't. They have some information but they're constantly coming across things that they weren't expecting in the history of the search. That's just basically the the extent of it. Anyway, time to hear again from our friend Steve who writes, Dave, howdy. Hope the McBride family is well. Yeah, we are. Haven't emailed in a while. Thanks for putting up with my babbling on the Patreon feed. Steve, you're babbling. Uh, That's one of my favorite parts of the Patreon. (laughs) Don't stop. Uh, Anyway, Steve continues. Random thoughts as we hit more or less the midpoint of the season. Um, we'll try to minimize kvetching, which is complaining. <laughs> uh, here he goes. The average episode has been interesting, but not at all, not all that engaging. We get it. There are a lot of old wood on, there's a lot of old wood on the island. You're going to find it along with ox shoes and nails. A collapsed wharf creates wood and people throw stuff off of wharves. And a triangle shaped swamp cove is a natural catch basin for tidal junk. Just because a piece of wood from 600 AD is found doesn't mean that it didn't just wash in with the tide. The Drilling Down episode that aired last week was one of the best ones probably ever. Thank you to the show for putting artifacts on a timeline. I think it's time for the Laginas, Prometheus, and the History Channel to take a stand 
It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They're wrong in the end. Take a stance. What do you think happened here? You can always refine your hypothesis later. Uh, I got to stop here, Steve. It's, it's hard not to think you're saying this to me as well in sort of a backhanded way. <laughs> Because I'm exactly the same way. Anyway, he continues. I get a vibe that they're ramping down. This has been discussed some on the podcast. Maybe next season, number 10 will be the last. So they need to plan for the next thing. Many episodes ago, I floated the question about monetizing the island. That is, uh, preparing it to be a truly a tourist destination. Now the Laginas and Craig Tester are, are ever selling this island. Time to build a bigger interpretive center, gift shop, brew pub, <laughs> path and railings for guided tours, etc. Maybe that's where they need to start focusing. Stay warm. Steve from Ohio, since there are now nine Steves listening. <laughs> I think there's more than nine, Steve. But Steve from Ohio, we all know who you are. Anyway, on the last one there, uh, I think that should certainly be the plan. And let's face it, that's definitely uh, is harder to do as far as preparing the island for that sort of future when there are cameras on the island and you're trying to be secretive about the dig so you can't have spoilers ending up on social media so you're very cagey about uh, your tours, which they've operated before COVID, these tours on the island. they got to be real careful with that and it's harder to do some of these things. Treasure or no treasure, I think that is that this is absolutely the plan for the post-show Oak Island. Certainly seems that way. You could see it all the time, right? Every time you see one of these drilling down episodes, you see some work that's been done. Maybe it's Smith's Cove or Isaac's Point or, you know, uh, an old spoils pile or things like that. I mean, by old, I mean hundreds of years old spoils pile being removed or changed or that kind of stuff. They're building towards it every day, I think. And uh, by the way, man... How great would an Oak Island brew pub be? Jeez, what a great idea. Man, oh man. All right, let's hear now from Mike who writes, I find it a little surprising how little the show mentions the Acadians who were the first to settle Nova Scotia prior to 1755 to 1764 and the forceful deportation of 11,500 Acadians by the British they were the main colonists. Originating and migrating from coastal France during the early 17th century, they were farmers, had a long history of reclaiming ground from the sea, sound like the kind of people who may have built something like a road from the shore inland. They have a good working relationship with Native Americans, and it would be understandable that they would have worked alongside the Acadians in building a road. The Mi'kmaq now, who even today are portrayed as a thorn in the side of the treasure hunters, they may very well have been mining the blue clay available in the swamp for their pottery. Have they tested the pottery pieces found in the swamp to determine where the clay came from? Could the fire pits on the island have been a hole dug to fire the pot, pot, that pottery? It's very frustrating when the show just ignores anything that is not treasure-related and everything is slanted in that direction. It's much more likely the oxen were used on the island for agriculture than moving. Spanish or Knights Templar Portuguese treasure. Mike. Um, thanks, Mike. Um, those are all great points, and I agree with all of them wholeheartedly. What you say about the blue clay in the swamp and the Mi'kmaq, uh, you know, is, that's spot on. I mean, an archaeologist told them the eye of the swamp was a possible blue clay mine. And I mean, that could be your answer, right? They could... And what they could do is put an X through that section of the swamp and be able to tell that story of the swamp that we don't know. And they could take some pride in actually getting that answer and say, well, this was always a mystery, but it's not anymore. We know what this is and we can move on from it. That's exciting stuff. But for some reason, they're all the, the, the editors and the producers are convinced it's not. But it is, you know, uh, <laughs> They should, again, they should take some pride in those answers, but instead all you get is crickets, you know? We never hear from the blue clay again. And the events this season probably tell us why we haven't seen this, right? I mean, I'm not accusing them of anything here, but it certainly seems clear to all of us now that if evidence starts pointing towards First Nations, the team's going to steer clear. And so are their editors and the producers, because that's the evidence that gets out there, right? Uh, you know, they're going to steer as far clear from any of that as possible. And that could be exactly why we had absolutely no follow up to that blue clay stuff. All things considered, I'm kind of shocked now that if that this blue clay thing from from the archaeologist ever made the final cut of the episode, <laughs> let's be honest. 
Great stuff, Mike. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think any of this is going to change anytime soon. I hope it does. We'll get to that again at the end. Okay. That was a long email, and uh, I need a little break from reading here. So let's listen to some more seagulls, some more waves, and we'll get back and finish this podcast up. All right, we still have some great emails to get to. So let's start off with our friend Jeff here who writes, Hi, Dave. How's it going? Just wanted to say hi and pass on a couple of recent observations and generalities. You talked about a show producer who declared on a Digging Down episode that new technology was going to solve the Oak Island mystery. But then you later told us about a more recent interview with Marty where he didn't sound like someone who had solved anything and even said something along the lines of the mystery will continue. Sorry, I'm just speaking from memory. I don't have the exact quotes. You're pretty close there. Doesn't this seem odd to you? Uh, Let me just stop here, Jeff. No, it doesn't seem odd to me at all because I'm fairly certain the producer was just blowing smoke off our collective derrieres here. I mean, to put it it bluntly, I think that's really all he was doing. I mean, he's hyping the show, trying trying to use his time on the air to get people to tune in as much as possible, and that's his job. Um, I don't think he really believes the mystery is going to be solved. Uh, I hate that. I'm not a fan of that, and I don't think anybody else is, but that is the reality. Anyway, Jeff continues. Also, did you notice Marty's disturbed reaction when they found that shaped wood dated to 300 AD? He even blurted out something like, don't bring me any more weird dates. I got the impression that Marty quickly deducted the only possible explanation of such a date would be activity by early indigenous populations and had an immediate fear of government interference. Okay, let me stop here again and interject. Jeff, I think the other possibility is that Marty just knew this piece of wood was meaningless, right? I'm not so sure he thought about it in that in those terms. I mean, he might have. I don't know. Um, the dating made him feel like, okay, this this is nothing. I mean, we're, you know, I got the impression that you know we do these things and we get these wacky dates, and Marty is the person who thinks, despite all the turning of heads and the nodding by who this person or that person and the narration, that Marty really looks at that and goes, "Okay, this is worthless. Uh, this this doesn't help us, right?" I think he knows enough. I think Marty knows enough about the mystery to know that 300 A.D. is not the time frame they need to be interested in. Anyway. Let me let Jeff continue here. I'm a huge fan of this show and your podcast. I've watched every minute of this show, sometimes more than once. And I've listened to every minute of your podcast, sometimes more than once. I have unfortunately become very disappointed in this season. I don't understand why they spent so much time with all the exploratory boreholes when they already had locations of interest from the water testing results. They have now put themselves in the situation of starting the actual dig late in the season where it will inevitably end with something breaking down or the hammer grab getting stuck or bad weather coming in or the ground becoming unstable or the government shutting them down or some other calamity. Then basically talking up another year to feeling like they're close, but just had some bad luck and simply ran out of time in the cold weather with the cold weather setting in. Hope I'm wrong, but it seems there is uh, this is that this is where the season is heading. Let me stop you here again, Jeff. I'm not sure that's their fault. I don't think they meant for the cans to come in when they did. This is a huge operation with a lot of logistics and a lot of things coming in mind. It is very possible that they just simply couldn't get the gear there until further into the summer. Anyway, let me continue. Also, I'm still disappointed with the near complete removal of Jack from the show. Every once in a while, they do show that he's still there, but he has been essentially replaced in the fellowship by other nephews and completely absent from the meaningful activities or contributions. Despite this, I will continue to watch the show, but I'm finding it harder and harder to pay attention and even stay awake. But I have to keep watching if for no other reason. So when I listen to your podcast, I'll know what you're talking about. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, Jeff, yeah, I don't know what to say about Jack. Um, I'm not so sure it isn't a personal choice in Jack's part. I, I just don't know. And, and honestly, man, I'm no help with this. I don't spend a lot of time digging into cast stuff. It's just, That is not the part of all this I'm interested in. There are other people that do. There are other podcasts that do. So it might be something worth exploring. Um, I, I don't. I just don't know. I, I've never had any contact with Jack. So I wish I had something to offer on that. I just don't. Anyway, Jeff, thank you for the email. Great stuff. Let's hear now from our friend Robert who writes, Hello, Dave. Just curious, of course, the reason I, we, and you watch the show religiously. When they drop these casings down, are they really going to be able to see what's at the bottom of the casing as they bring up the material to the surface? 
Have they considered ways to access the walls and also gain an ability to see what is on the other side of these metal casings? Just like you, is the hammer grab really a good method to find possibly history-making items buried 100-plus feet deep? Kind of like finding a gas can in a dark room with a match. Not impossible, but could be a little problematic. Okay, let me stop here. More than a little problematic. Anyway, I get a lot of people questioning and criticizing the show and the team. Usually those criticize those criticisms are really for the producers, right? For the writers and the editors, and not for Marty and Rick, you know, uh, um, if you understand what I mean. But there are a few of these criticisms that are, and this is one of them, and this is probably the one I see the most. If you really want to look for history, are you not just, and you're not just treasure hunters, like you say, and they say this, is this method really the best way to do this? Or even a good idea to begin with, right? It's hard not to see the point in this criticism, especially if you're trying to tell me that you think there are priceless religious artifacts down there or the original manuscripts of Shakespeare or something like that. Just picture yourself. Just imagine one of those hammer grabs coming up with half of the lid of the Ark of the Covenant hanging out one end of it (laughs) and the other piece dropping off back into the pit. I can't imagine that would be a great look for the Laginas from a PR standpoint, right? I, I just, that's kind of where I feel about, how I feel about this. Anyway, Robert continues. If I might ask about their water-filled locations and the problems they have, so, have had associated with visibility, these locations have been somewhat stagnant. I don't really understand why they throw up their hands saying we, can't, we just can't see there, it's just too cloudy. And if they would just slow down a little bit and think, If it's too cloudy, the use of a sand filter would remedy the situation in days to possibly a week or even two would remedy the situation. Location is very deep for a pump, but if you are dropping the water down from a pump the same distance as they are bringing it up, the TDH, total dynamic head, equals out and the pump won't know the difference. Simple hydraulic law. So get it cleaned up, guys, so we can see the truth down below. Also, I watch this, so often I'm extremely frustrated that at oh well sorry about our luck attitude but they have got to complete each aspect of their search before moving on don't stop guys before that miracle happens that could be a bit of just to interrupt here robert that could be a bit of of editing that's coming into that right might might just be something to consider could be a little bit of of that um, okay, where were we? Uh, if it's Is it possible, Dave, they have too much cerebral talent on their team and not enough hands-on true construction experience? If you can figure out how something is built, it's easy to take it apart. It's easy to understand a rhyme and reason for why and how something was done rather than to hope you will discover that down the road. If I want to know how someone built a house, I'll talk to a carpenter over an architect or an engineer every time. Robert in Florida. The thing is, when it comes to evaluating the team, Robert, I, I we really don't know. Hardly an episode goes by when you can't look into the background of a shot and see someone working on the island that you just don't recognize. I think we see a cast, but I think there's a lot of people involved and not just people on the camera crews, right, that are doing stuff. People work for Billy Gerhardt, people who work for all these drilling companies, and just other people who are all bringing a certain level of expertise and a certain job to it. I mean, we saw some random guy pull something out of the wash plant. Who was that? <laughs> we don't know. Um, but you bring up some great points, Robert. And I think the idea of um, a diver down in this hole or in these holes rather than a hammer grab Boy, that makes a lot of sense, right? But that's really easy for me to say because I can guarantee you I ain't going down that hole. That's for darn sure. <laughs> Thanks, Robert. Always great to hear from you. Always such great, well, well-detailed well uh, emails and great points there. Let's finish up with Tom who writes, Hi, Dave. I, too, read the Reader's Digest article in Oak Island. The article I read was a reprint of the original, probably in the 1970s. I'm younger than the Laginas. I'm fascinated with history, so when the show first aired on the History Channel, I was hooked. I have faithfully and obsessively watched and looked forward to every episode. I even wandered to Facebook websites and podcasts for related Oak Island content. I knew that going into Season 8, it would be tough for them to produce due to COVID, but I actually enjoyed the show with less machinery and with more eyes and boots on the ground. The history of that island seems to be ripe for the picking. 
They made a substantial amount of discoveries. Season 9 has brought new challenges for me. Maybe I'm not as patient as I was 9 years ago. Maybe I'm tired of ox shoes, rocks, and wood. Maybe the show is really grasping at any theory just to keep it going. I don't feel the show has the same allure. Obviously, the Laginas aren't spending their own money. If they were, they wouldn't be making Swiss cheese out of the money pit. I think the show was more authentic when every decision had a Lagina dollar amount tied to it. The show has certainly transitioned to a reality show, even though it didn't start that way. My, reading on C- my rating on season nine is a C. Thank you. Keep up the good work, Tom. Tom, um, great email. It's a great way to end the podcast here. It seems to me that you speak for a lot of fans of the show. The last two seasons have been at least, again, I'm just like you. I've been following along. I've been following along on social media, all that kind of stuff since the beginning. Um, And it seems to me the impression I get is that this season has been the most criticized by even the most diehard of fans. I mean, people who donate to the show, to my podcast, people who are patrons, these are people who are all in on Oak Island. And there are just so many of even those folks that are kind of getting fatigued, you know. Now, to use that word, it might just be a little bit of fatigue setting in, right? Well, the show's been going on for a long time. Uh, but I, I also think I want to end up this podcast here with some of my thoughts on the things that maybe the producers might want to think about to try to bring some of these folks back into the hole, but also to make the show truly exciting again. Let me give you, here's my advice to the producers. Stop trying to make it look like you found something compelling every episode. Stop trying to recreate the magic of pulling out the Maravidi out of the swamp or the cross off of the beach. If you don't have those two, Stop trying to make every ox shoe and every piece of wood seem that important. It's disingenuous, and your people who are watching the show can see right through that. And instead, focus on the important things you really found, even if that's only one or two things a season. We were fine with that in the past, right? (laughs) We were okay with that in the past because it made the importance of one or two things even that much more dramatic. Spend your time focusing on theories and history and less time on drama and mundane finds. I don't want to hear about government involvement a single time again. It's past us. The die is cast. It's over. Move on. We don't need to mention that in five episodes afterwards and spend time on it because it just puts a negative taste in everybody's mouth. And the same goes for uh, lots of other things, lots of these mundane finds. If I have one word that encapsulates the criticism I get of the show's writing, it's repetitiveness. Now, I understand every show needs to be, they've decided that every show needs to tailor to the first time viewer but we've got to do a better job with that moving forward, right? Spend your time focusing on theories and history. If you want to have a 20-plus episode season, and I'd argue that maybe that's the problem here, right? I think there's a better way to do it than how you've done it the last couple of seasons because, you know, lipstick covers and ox shoes just isn't, isn't cutting it, right? It just isn't cutting it for a lot of your fans. So maybe... Try a season where instead of showing us lipstick covers and ox shoes and mundane pieces of wood, you spend that time with history and theories. Devote the better part of an episode to people like James McQuiston, Gordon Fader, Corian Mall. Spend the better part of an episode talking about the life of Samuel Ball or even William Phipps if you want to. In my mind... Those all seem much more interesting to me than the seventh ox shoe of the season. And I think if you change your focus to that stuff, then we've got a show here that could be compelling for many more seasons to come because the dig is always going to happen. The work is always going to be done. And if we know something about Oak Island, it's going to give us questions and that's going to make us watch.
all right, I'm off my soapbox. I don't usually get on there. I'm off my soapbox now, and uh, it's time to uh, call an end to this episode of the Digging Oak Island podcast. Don't forget, Wednesday afternoons, 2 to 5 p.m. on WDVR-FM, you'll find me DJing there. I love doing this. I host a show from 2 to 4 called the Bourbon Street Bistro where we play the music of New Orleans, this being the week of Mardi Gras. Might be a good time to tune in. And then from 4 to 5 p.m., I do a show called Island Vibes, where I play music, a little bit of a tropical feel. You can listen by going to uh, WDVRFM.org if you're not in the West Jersey, Eastern Pennsylvania area. But if you are, you can tune to 89.7 FM. Uh, And if you're enjoying the podcast, I ask you, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your shows. Thanks to everyone who's done that. Can't tell you how much I appreciate the kind words of you taking the time out to do it. And don't forget, if you have any questions or comments that you want to send directly to me that we can talk about on a future show, you can do so via email, diggingoakisland at gmail.com. And just keep in mind, if you do send me an email or a direct message on social media, I may just answer it here on a future podcast. So if you don't want your message read, just please make a note of that for me. Don't forget, you can join us on Facebook and Twitter. We are at Diggin' Oak Island. Uh, And if you uh, really want to help the show out, you think the show's worth five bucks a month to you, then head over to patreon.com slash Island to learn more. We do a uh, live chat during the broadcast of the show. Uh, and plus, I'm putting up some great, uh, what I think is some great history and some stuff on there over the years. That's certainly going to be a focus during the summer, too, for uh, you Patreons. So uh, go over there, patreon.com slash Island. So until we speak again, I'm Dave McBride. Thank you for listening to Digging Oak Island.